स्मार्ट मीडिया Welcome to the Nation State of Play podcast. I'm your host Brian Miller. On each episode, we explore the political stories that are driving public policy in California. We explore these stories with political insiders, business leaders, journalists, and policymakers themselves. to get below the surface of the headlines and show you the true forces shaping our nation state. Caitlin, thanks so much for being here today. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh could you start off by telling us a little bit about your organization and what you focus on at a high level? Yeah, absolutely. So, I actually um am working on two things. I am the CEO of Darkness to Light, which is a adult education oriented organization that focuses on child sexual abuse prevention. Um but I'm here today to talk about the Keep Kids Safe movement which is a collection of national organizations who have come together uh to ask the government both the legislative and the executive branch uh to finally make a difference in terms of this silent epidemic we have of child sexual violence. So how did this coalition come together what was the impetus for it? That's a great question. Uh so many of you might not know that there is actually legislation out there in states across the country. Um some of them are called Aaron's law, some of them are called Jenna's law, and they've kind of been a patchwork of legislation for the last 10ish years growing. Um and I'll talk a little bit more about those but you know on the federal level there are a few organizations that during COVID came together and said they're paying attention to everything in these um in these bills you know giving away tens of uh billions of dollars and yet no one is paying attention to the needs of children um child advocacy centers weren't getting any funding we were quarantining um you know and so kids were quarantining with their abusers and so organizations like darkness to light came together and said we need to request that in some of these relief bills um there's money to keep these child advocacy centers open um and as many of you probably read in news uh ERs were reporting higher frequency and severity of abuse and so the need for people to pay attention to child safety during covid became uh incredibly important and about 18 months after we sort of advocated for that we all came together and said you know this is actually really working i we think we should focus on federal legislation uh on the whole and so here we are two and a half years later uh with a national blueprint and an amazing coalition great so um let's talk about the federal efforts first what is what is the federal legislation do technically there isn't any federal legislation that standardizes uh what a mandatory reporter is what uh prevention education is necessary for youth serving organizations or schools all of this is mandated right now at the state level um so going back to sort of that Aaron's law and Jenna's law they're two very similar laws that states choose to pass um Aaron's law in particular is passed in 36 states uh but only two of those states have actually given an appropriation to fund all of the work uh that are that is mandated in the law And so you'll what you'll see at the federal level is a lot on human trafficking um which is connected to child sexual abuse but it's not exactly the same thing. 
Um, but we're really trying to make some some headway at that federal level. So the focus then right now is really on working at the state level. Is that correct? There's a, I think there's a federal blueprint, but what you're really looking to just implement that at the state level. No, so we we appreciate what's happening at the state level, and we uh, support and applaud everyone that's doing work at the state level. But truly, for us, our attention is focused on the federal legislative uh, branch and the um, executive branch, and to demand that both branches, in their capacity, um, take action steps forward. What we are doing in order to support that work at a state level is. Um, I'm not sure you're familiar with Every Town for Gun Safety. Um, sure, I think we actually had them on the show a couple months back. But, but go oh, ahead. amazing! Yeah. So, whether you agree with their approach or, or their position on gun safe laws or not, what is brilliant about their strategy is that they take federal action and localize it. And so, they have moms out there in red T-shirts demanding that their communities and that their legislators are paying attention to. Uh, the level of safety in schools for kids and, and gun sense. And so we believe that that is a model that we could replicate for uh, legislation around child sexual abuse prevention. Um, there's no reason why you should live in California and then move to Iowa and your child is more or less safe depending on the state laws. You should You should have that equanimity across all states. And so what we're doing is we um, we piloted this campaign just recently, actually called the Power to Protect, um, in both California and in Michigan, and we're testing whether or not um, everyday average people are are even interested in engaging with um, our content and writing letters and texting and all of those things uh, to their either their current um, current representatives or their uh, individuals who are running for office. And are those pilot programs focused on specific bills in California and Michigan? No. So this is a little geeky, but um, 501c3s are not actually allowed to support specific um, bills or candidates. Um, sure, so we're, we're we, very familiar with all of these IRS nuances, but okay, so I take it you're, just, you're, you're a C3 only. Yeah, well, we have registered a C4. We okay. just registered it, but the current grant that we have is a C3. And so we are not um, not specifically endorsing anyone. And really, I would say this, you know, no matter what side of the, the political aisle you sit on, or maybe you sit in the middle, um, there doesn't tend to be a person um, in politics that doesn't agree that children need to be safe. Um, and so even at the federal level, like you'll look at James Cornyn, who's the senator in Texas, and he has some very you know interesting views for liberals, but liberals can work with him on this because he's been spearheading the Jenna Quinn law at the federal level. Um, and you, then you look at Democrats and you have, you know, Democrats in the House who are pushing for a similar version of the Genequin law. Where they don't agree is the appropriations aspect and how to pay for things. It's definitely not the content of this law that either party um, disagrees with, which is uh, shockingly refreshing, to be quite honest. Okay, well, let's talk about some of those specifics. So could, could you kind of walk through how those different laws work at this at the state level? And um, I think you said only two states have fully funded them, but can you give us sort of the mechanics of how they actually work? Yeah, sure. So there's 
it, it really depends on each state. As you well know, the political process is messy. And so when I say these generalities about Aaron's law, Aaron's law in your state might look a little bit different, but um, Aaron's law generally um, has a list of people who are mandated reporters. And so mandated reporters are people like therapists or teachers or, um, you know, you serving organization professionals, anyone that comes in contact with children, doctors, nurses, et cetera. In other states, they take it to the other extreme and every single citizen is a mandated reporter, which from a professional aspect, I think is not helpful um, that everyone is a mandated reporter only because um, it's not enforceable. Um, most people don't even know they're mandated reporters in states that have that law and no one enforces it. So in general, Aaron's law has a list of professions that are mandated reporters. Um, they sh the law then goes on to talk about the fact that there, those mandated reporters should be um, forced to take specific training that helps them identify and prevent child sexual abuse. Um, and so in Aaron's law, that specifically focuses on educating the child. In Jenna's law, um, that it focuses on the child and the adult. Um, and so, and I know in some states, they've added the adult to Aaron's law, and in some states, they've taken away the adult in Jenna's law. And so, as you can see, it starts to be incredibly complicated for national organizations like a Big Brother Big Sister or a YMCA to fully comprehend what their responsibilities are in terms of keeping kids safe in their federated wise or you know boys and girls clubs across the country I, I wonder how much you take a position you of course me your organization takes a position on penalties and law enforcement mechanisms for these type of crimes this has obviously become a very controversial issue in california with bill, bills like zero bail working their way through the legislature and other things um do, do you do you have a take on that as part of this blueprint or otherwise yeah, listen, we, um, the, the blueprint is comprehensive. Um, so again, I'll, I'll nerd out a little bit with you. Um, we based our national blueprint off of the Ryan White Care Act, which for those of you who were alive during the 90s, you will remember Ryan White was a young white boy um, who contracted HIV through a um, blood transfusion. And all of a sudden, everyone was up in arms and everything needed to be you know, fixed with regards to HIV. Um, it, it didn't matter that, you know, uh, gay individuals were dying from it in droves uh, for years before that. So what was amazing about the Ryan White Care Act was that it was, um, it was incredibly co comprehensive and Congress passed it, um, you know, and it really did stem the tide of the HIV AIDS epidemic in the United States. And we believe that child sexual abuse is as prevalent, if not more prevalent than HIV was back at its sort of its height um, with one in four girls and one in 13 boys um, having experienced sexual abuse before the age of 18. And I will tell you those stats are a little outdated. Um, and so because of that, it's not just a prevention oriented uh, law or national blueprint that we would be suggesting. It's prevention, justice, and healing. And so that justice component that you're getting to um, and you're asking about 
really is important. And I, I recommend that if you're interested in learning more of the specifics, you go into our national blueprint and you read uh, the pages and pages that we've written about in terms of the justice. But what I will say to you is this, survivors do not have justice currently. Um, only 36% of all uh, cases of abuse are reported. And only 4% of those are actually ever convicted. Um, they're never, you know, DAs across the country uh, often do not take these cases because they're not surefire wins. And as you know, DAs want really great win records. Um, and so we have forensic interviewers that work at CACs that talk to us all the time about the fact that um, straightforward cases with evidence are not taken um, by the DAs because they're scared that they won't win. Um, judges do not uh, are not educated on this. And so oftentimes uh, the abusive parent will still maintain custody of the child. I mean, the justice system really has a lot of work to do in order to figure out how to keep children safe, how to help survivors, et cetera. And are there specific changes at either the state or federal level that you'd like to see made from a legislative point of view in, in that justice bucket? Or is it more about practice and enforcement of existing laws? Um, it's definitely about practice. There is a lot of conversation about statute of limitations in our um, national blueprint. We do not believe that statute of limitations should be in existence. Um, one of our founding members, Child USA, works on uh, that work and has worked on that work for, uh, well, Marcy herself has worked on it for 20, 20 some odd years, but Child USA has definitely done a lot. Um, and they fight really big organizations that spend tens of millions of dollars trying to keep statute of limitations uh, in existence because they know um, that there is a history within the organization and it would be, um, it would be detrimental to them, to both insurance companies and to their bottom line if statute of limitations went away. So who are those organizations? Who, who's fighting, uh, or who's, I should say, who's protecting statute of limitations in child sexual abuse cases? I don't think it'll be, and I say this as a born and raised Irish Catholic woman, um, it's not very surprising that the Catholic Church is the first on everybody's mind. Um, they spend a considerable amount of money fighting against the statute of limitations being removed. Um, there's also currently, you know, organizations who are using bankruptcy as a way to get out of, um, you know, accepting financial responsibility for the tens of thousands of people who have been hurt, you know, under their watch. The Boy Scouts um, is currently using that. USA Gymnastics also use bankruptcy as a way to um, delay and postpone payment out to all of the gymnasts um, who deserved you know, retribution. And so I, I just think it's really important for us to think about how laws can help those who are affected um, receive, you know, some level of justice. And I just want to add, you know, we're talking a lot about money here. Um, the third part of the blueprint is healing. And I will tell you, there isn't a survivor I've met in the last six years of me doing this work that really cares deeply about getting rich. Like the idea that someone would come out and tell the world their deepest, darkest, most horrific story um, in order to just become rich. Uh, it's, I mean, it just doesn't exist. I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't people who falsely report, but it's, it, it's not at this national level to the extent that people think it is. Um, 
And I just, I want to give a shout out to survivors who are listening to this podcast that um, if you haven't told, it's okay. If you want to tell, you know, find a safe space to do it in. Um, And if you need someone to talk to and you don't have anyone in your life, uh, you can call Darkness Lights hotline 1-866-4LIGHT. It's free. And there are people on the other end of the phone who will be happy to listen. And thanks for that information. Um, Okay, so back to your pilot. I'm I'm curious, how is it going so far? What are you seeing? Yeah, so the pilot is, um, it's going well. I would say a a couple things. One, we chose areas where the the lines were already drawn. As you know, it was a census year. And so we wanted to um, work in states where the redistricting had already happened. Um, that happened to be California and Michigan. Um, we chose areas where there um, were, were representatives and not senators necessarily, because I don't know if you know this, but it's a lot cheaper to advertise in a representative district than it is a Senate district. Um, and we're a nonprofit and we have a very small budget. So we wanted to make some sort of dent Um, We also targeted individuals in our campaign um, based on who we expected potentially, um, you know, uh, would support key issues regardless of political factors. So, for instance, Garcia, um, Representative Garcia in Southern California, um, he really focuses a lot on uh, the military, supporting law enforcement, lowering taxes. Um, And so when we looked at individuals who may or may not have voted for him, we were sort of thinking about who are the staunch supporters and who are the individuals who um, maybe could persuade him um, to talk about this because they're a swing vote, if you will. Um, And so we thought about some of those personas and we said, you know, it's really, it's really important for us to speak to all people. And if, um, we found a lot of success in both students um, in his his area, as well as those who outwardly on social media support military um, and law enforcement. And they really have been very active in um, signing on and um, you know advocating that uh, Representative Garcia um, you know pay attention to child sexual abuse uh, in his campaign. Well, that's great result so far. What can people do if they want to get involved? If you want to get involved, um, I would recommend going to our website, which is www.keep-kids-safe.org. There you can read the full blueprint. There is also an executive summary uh, for those of you who don't read 40-page documents on the regular. Um, And you can endorse the blueprint either as an individual or an organization. Um, I would also look up our social media. Right now, we are running our Power to Protect campaign, which you'll see a lot of the messaging that we were talking about just now. Um, and follow us on social media. And uh, yeah, we'd, we'd be very happy to have the support. Okay, and thanks so much for the work you're doing. Um, and really great to have you on the show so we can start to make these connections more with some of our listeners. And uh, we'd love to have you back on the podcast at some point and talk about the progress you make both at the federal and state level. But a uh, pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And just one more shout out to our hotline for those survivors. Um, it's one eight six six four light And you can also text the word LIGHT to 741741. 
um, and have a text conversation if you need any assistance. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. We invite you to share ideas for guests, ask questions, and leave comments. You can find us at neptuneops.com. Follow us and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts as we continue to explore the insights and stories driving California politics. This is the Nation's State of Play podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening. Olas Media.